Hello and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture Get Off My Lawn cast, featuring the curmudgeonly yet open-minded musings of two guys in their early 40s as they stare on the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Noah Tarno of The Big Quiz Thing, and with me as always is no, you're not. Friend, Bill no, Scurry. You're not. How are you, Bill it's Scurry? It's opposite day. Uh, you have been hearing the voice of Mr. William K. Scurry. So you're doing all right? I am doing fine, sir. I am busy gearing up for a fun, fun summer, making the magic happen. But for today... Yes, today. This is us. It is a televisual program. It is a telenovela. National, right, well, that's not a telenovela. On the National Broadcasting <laughs> Company, yes, uh, NBC. Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock. Does anyone still watch shows when they are, quote-unquote, on? No. I mean, is there anyone who lives their life that way? Anyone? I prefer my TV on vinyl because it's a warmer sound. <laughs> well, This Is Us is a dramedy. Would you call it a drama, comedy? It's it's sort of serial comedy. A comma. A comma. A comma. Drama, drama and comedy. A comma. It is a comma created by pro TV and movie hack writer Dan Fogelman, who's responsible for those execrable Cars movies from Pixar, a movie called Crazy Sexy Love that starred Carell and Gosling and Stone and Julianne Moore a few years back, and uh, Las Vegas, another nightmare disaster of a film. You hate Cars that much? You really hate Cars? I really much? hate Cars that much, yeah. Cars is like All sandpaper right. on the soul, exactly. All All right, have it your way. This is Us begins with a gimmick conceit of four cross-cut narratives of uh, looks like... Don't give it away! Don't spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! alert. We're going to have to spoil at least the pilot, right? We've got to spoil the pilot here. The pilot, right. spoiling the pilot. Within 48 minutes, it's spoiled anyway. It's got cross-cut narratives of a bunch of people on their 36th birthday, I believe it is. Everyone's birthday is sort of obnoxiously announced with either a cake or a party or something. So it's this same birthday for, I think, four different different cross-cut stories. They don't tell you what you're seeing are three stories that take place in the present, one story that takes place contemporaneous with the three characters' birth. So what you're seeing yes. is the parents' generation on their 36th birthday and the children on their 36th birthday. The dad's 36th birthday. The dad's 36th birthday. birthday, exactly. Yeah, uh, past right. interwoven with present. And so that's the show's hook, is that you're having flashback situation and the narrative pays backwards and forwards where the themes that take place I guess it's 1980 and it's 2016, something like that. I don't think you clarified that the three people in present day are essentially triplets. Right, essentially and they're all triplets. Born that day. Uh, they're two twins and an adopted baby, which is why the adopted yeah. child is African American, which reflects Indeed. it in the adult cast member. Yeah, this it feels like it's more complex just me describing it. But the cliffhanger yeah. of the pilot, like I said, I already tipped my hand here, is the reveal that you're seeing the parents during childbirth and the three adult leads. You know, the humdinger is that the parents, who are played by Mandy Moore and uh, Milo Vendemilia, who's a human meat statue, <laughs> raised Sterling K. Brown as well. And you don't really get the impression that you're seeing siblings because one is a black man and the other two are white people in California. And by the way, very different looking white people. So th- yeah. there is a strong contrast even among the white siblings. And they kind of that's kind of part of it too. The but. pilot and a bunch of the episodes are directed by uh, Glenn Ficarra and John Requa, whose names you may recognize. They're filmmakers primarily I think this may be one of their first TV stabs. They did Whiskey Tango Foxtrot with Tina Fey. They made I Love You, Philip Morris, which was a Ewan McGregor and Jim Carrey movie. It kind of came and went. The aforementioned Crazy Sexy Love with Carell et al. The Bad Santa movies, for which they wrote the first one and wrote and directed the second one. Perhaps the reason why we're talking about this is because the goddamn thing is a ratings juggernaut right now. It's a number one, which is unfamiliar territory for NBC. Number one broadcast drama, adults 18 to 49 with a 4.5 
4.8 far rating, which is just ahead of Empire, another buzzy show in that same demo. And if you know anything about TV, all they care about is the 18 to 49 demo. That means you're the king of the right. castle. With the premise, with the stakes, with the current climate in TV, I will now hand it over to my good, slim co-host, Noah Tarno. What do you feel about this show? Let me just state for the record, I enjoy it. I've watched six, seven episodes now, and it's entertaining. It's not a great show. It's no Breaking Bad. I'm actually quoting my mother here because she loves it. And I said, what do you like about it? She said, it's no Breaking Bad, but it's entertaining. <laughs> I think there are some good stuff, and I think it is well made. I think there's a handful of really good actors in here. Uh, Sterling K. Brown, who blew me away in The People versus O.J. Simpson. He played uh, Christopher Darden in that. Uh, I think he's an outstanding actor, and I'd love to see someone give him an Oscar-worthy movie role because I'm hugely impressed with that dude. I think Chrissy Metz who plays the sister and uh, what's his name? Chris Sullivan plays her boyfriend. I think they are very charming and very capable actors. A couple people, I don't, I think you're too hard on Milo Ventimiglia. I mean, he's not great, but I have no idea why you think he's so awful. Oh, he's, he's terrible. He's, he is. He's died, but Come on, he is, is he any worse than half the actors on TV? So some capable performances. It's, I did not see the twist coming in the first episode. I was completely floored by the twist. And I was saying before, that in some ways is a litmus test for me. If I don't see the twist coming, it means I've been sucked in. If it's bad, I'm, I'm, my mind drifts to other stuff. I start picking things apart. I start seeing the twist endings. I didn't see the twist. I was completely taken by surprise. And that proves to me that something is entertaining. But like I said, it's no breaking bad. It's entertaining. It's not necessarily great. I find the premise a little contrived. So just to be crystal clear here, uh, Mila Ventimiglia and Mandy Moore having triplets. It's a difficult pregnancy. It's early. One of the babies is stillborn. And of course, they're broken up by it. And meanwhile, a black baby has been abandoned at a firehouse by his drug-addicted father. Uh, mother died in childbirth. And the fireman brings her to the hospital. And the couple that had the stillborn triplet decide to adopt the black child. Mila Ventimiglia says, my mother already made three onesies. And I call shenanigans because I'm pretty sure onesie, meaning a child's outfit, was not in use in 1980. Oh, but I digress. Um, wow. So it feels a little contrived to me, but whatever. Contrived on TV isn't necessarily bad, but they play the whole thing straight-faced. And mm. that gets me to a problem I have with the show. I find the show very sappy, very sanctimonious. There's a lot of humor, definitely some good, especially the relationship between Kate and Toby, Chrissy Metz and Chris Sullivan. A lot of good, solid humor there, but the show is really sappy and it takes itself a little too seriously. And it's a little patting on the back thing like, oh, black and white people, it's we're never going to totally get along and the differences between us and how can we really love each other? And, you know, it's not a capital crime, but it's a little schmaltzy. That being said, I'm entertained. It's a good way mm. to cool my, to, to wind my mind down at the end of a long day. And I'm sorry, at the end of a stressful day, I do not want to watch The Handmaid's Tale because that show freaks <laughs> the fuck out of me. Whereas This Is Us is pleasant and entertaining and enjoyable and diverting for 40 minutes. How many have you watched I so six, far? six. Six? Yeah. I've only yeah. watched two. I watched the pilot in the second episode. Okay. I, I thought I had the roadmap uh, pretty much by that point. Well, um, mostly, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm familiar with the show's popularity because that's what preceded it, and that it came out. It was a giant. It was a juggernaut on the first night. It's like NBC increased its order based on the first couple of episodes, and then they lengthened the season, and they immediately greenlit the second season, and and so they're putting all their chips on the table, pushing it towards the felt on on this one. And the reason why, obviously, is because I think, like you say, the show 
is built like a Swiss timepiece. The craftsmanship is unerring. The pacing is perfect. And the thing is designed strongly. You can pretty much throw your yes. shoulder into any side and it doesn't wiggle, it doesn't waver, and it doesn't budge. To that point, though, it's it's based on mawkish, maudlin themes, which yeah, yeah, I could appreciate yeah. the construction of the show. I could appreciate the amount of attention and detail put into it by fine craftsmen who understand storytelling, which, as you know from watching TV, from watching any TV, quality craftsmanship and storytelling is just about the last thing on anyone's mind these days. But for the most part, yeah. especially NBC, NBC has about 40 shows based on Dick Wolf's spec script and show. Chicago, yeah, right. you know, you got Chicago yeah, Sanitation, Chicago yeah. PD, Chicago Sandwich Makers, Chicago yeah. Wrigley it's all, Field. It's all Chicago, man. It's yeah. all Chicago, and they're all yeah. shot in New York. Wrigley too. Field Janitor Squad. That's yeah. it's yeah. Chicago NYPD. You know, it's like let's just make yeah. this as ridiculous <laughs> as possible. They don't have anything as buzzy as this. It's no accident that it's competing with Empire, which is a buzzy show, but it's as empty-headed as anything. It's just essentially yeah. a, a vacant sinus. I've watched enough of Empire. I watched the first two seasons of Empire. And it was beyond soap opery. I mean, yeah. it was cr- I enjoyed it, and I kind of want to go back to it, but man like it was the soapiest soap opera i had ever seen it was like rupaul's drag race for straight people you know for cisgendered straight people uh <laughs> i don't even know what the hell that means but okay i like it but th- this show and to your point you mentioned you name check the actors and i'm going to accept mandy moore and, and venomilia from this one because i don't think either of them are any, uh, mandy moore's career is a hash you know she started off as a singer she's she's still young she's only 33 it's a lot of confection yeah, yeah, bullshit it's garbage it's like amanda binds his stage career this is arguably the best most prestigious thing she's been involved with and it's ironic that she's being outfitted in really mary tyler moore looking makeup to play the older 58 year old version of herself which is just bizarre that is not good makeup by the way fortunately i will tell you this you're only two episodes in i'm seven episodes in and we haven't seen the old version of her much yeah good so the next episode might be all about her for all i know i like to think they realize their limitations in that regard it's a lot of weight to put on mandy moore to play someone that old she just doesn't have the chops she's not an actor she's as she's a performer she's on my tv Yeah. But she's not what I would consider an actor. They incorporate her singing talent into the show more later on, too. Oh, I'm, uh, so oh again, I have to stick around. Oh, I got to watch that. Hang on. Let's pause this. They, so I can they catch know up their on strengths. That. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> obviously, Sterling K. Brown, like you said, just had a monster 2016, just cracking yeah. everyone's skull with the fucking People versus OJ. That guy was a, he was a yeah. goblin, a tornado, man. He was incredible. And that was a great show, and he was great on it. It was excellent. Sterling Brown's performance is excellent excellent and Chrissy Metz who is obviously a character actor now it's probably obvious I don't know if you can infer that she's a big girl it's not like it's incidental from the jump the creators Fogelman and Fakara and Requa decide to press the gas pedal on the fat person issue because the very first thing she's seen doing is scrutinizing a refrigerator with all these yellow yeah. post-it notes saying don't eat this and don't eat that and she yeah and then she and then she weighs herself yes. she weighs herself topless on a scale I mean she's just in her her underwear essentially without a top from being shot from behind so you see you know you see what flesh looks like when it's out yeah. to that level this is yeah. part of what i think if you have an actor who's there to act and who's a professional they give you what you ask for and they do the best they can and that chrissy her well chrissy i don't know her chrissy Metz, her body is obviously a instrument of her 
performance. I don't know how hard it was for her. I don't know if it was easy. But the idea, you know, you never get to see a very heavy person no, disrobed. That's not just a punchline for comedy. And I don't know if it ever, if her without a shirt on ever recurs. I know she's a sexual creature on the show, which is another thing you don't really see fat people doing. Uh, yeah, that is yeah. what you consider. That's an env- it's an envelope pusher of all the things you may have seen something akin to gay sex on TV, but you haven't seen a really fat person with their shirt off being yeah. that vulnerable. It, it may be one of those last few envelopes there are to push. Their relationship is nice because it's different. You don't see that on TV much, and they don't sugarcoat it. I mean, that's it's the main conflict of their relationship is the weight. Is yeah. that they're both trying to lose weight and who's sticking with it and who's not sticking with it and who's making progress and who's not making progress. And I appreciate that because these are real things. There's a lot of very heavy people in this country and I would guess most of them are not entirely satisfied with that and many of them struggle with it. And it's a real situation and I'm sure it gets in the way of a lot of relationships. And yes, she's a sexual creature on that show and when have you seen that before? And and good for them. I will side-eye, however, that her thing, at least two episodes in, is kind of unremittingly about the food and about the fat. Not that she doesn't come to her brother's aid in the second episode, and she isn't given a lot more to do, but it seems like she has a mono topic. She does it. She gets other stuff to do. Yeah, I'm sure. But it's like to get two episodes where the fat woman's thing is that she has a push-pull relationship with food is a little facile. And I thought, uh, you could have built up to that, but instead they sort of led with that out of the but gate. Which is- my point is that that's realistic. Sure. That oh, yeah, totally. I'm sorry. I don't know because I'm skinny as a stick, but I would, you know, I'm pretty sure that a very large number of obese people in this country, their weight is a primary source of anxiety in their life. Yeah, no doubt. So it is realistic that a woman like that would be struggling with food. And in fairness, she does have other, you know, there's non-food related jealousy issues between her and Toby. And she's in a career transition by the time we get to the fourth or fifth episode. But the weight is always there, which... I think it's pretty realistic for someone with a body like hers. You said Chris Sullivan, who plays her similarly heavyset boyfriend, is a great charming actor. But so far, he, in the beginning, just plays out a little bit like a white knight, where he's there to crack wise. And I I assume that he develops as well, but it looks like he's more or less a vessel of transformation or a sounding board for the the Kate character to, um, to bounce off of. He's definitely a supporting character for her, at least as far as I've watched it, but he gets some you know, I don't want to say he's the comic relief because he kind of is. He, he's he's the he kind of is between him and Kevin, the white brother of the triplets. Yeah. I mean, they're the goofiest characters, but they both have different nuances. So you know, I think it works, especially in a dramedy. As far as the last brother, the the so-called white brother, as you put it, the actor Justin Hanley plays what's his name? Uh, Kevin. Kevin. Kevin Pearson. The Manny. The Manny. Yeah, this this was one of those issues where I know that this show has budget issues and it was built on the cheap and i assume they spent the money up up front to get sterling k brown on board and you figure after the people versus oj that guy had a paycheck job coming his way this guy was ready to do something splashy that was his choice and so i'm I'm sure they spent the money to get him but everyone else was more or less character actors from generic roles that came in beforehand and this guy more so than anybody else i think is the most cw actor in the staff in fact he's so generically handsome in a cw way i I looked on imdb and his roles were all soap operas and cw shows he he is 
Right. Truly amateur hour. He's blonde. He's cut. He's affable. He's like Zach Efron light. Except him being that guy is a plot point. It's at the I don't root care. of his character and his I character's conflict. He's a guy playing that role. He is that guy, but he's also a guy who plays that guy. And I think he does it well. I think he's perfectly capable in this role. Yeah, but his meltdown in front of Alan Thicke and the pilot, it's like, I didn't buy it. It looked like it well, was... Well, that's uh, a little ridiculous, yeah, but... It looked like a, a, an actor's reel exercise that I've shot for friends I, uh, here in New York. All so right, can, yeah. So can put it on no, YouTube, No, I, I don't you love know? it. His character develops somewhat. Look, the show's got a lot of problems. Even apart from the sanctimony, the show, there are episodes where I go, oh, that was a very clever choice, or that was a clever plot development, but then something just flat-out stupid will happen. Stop all that banging. I heard you the first time banging on the door. Who the hell is My not? name is Randall Pearson. I'm your biological son. 36 years ago, you left me at the front door of a fire station. You see, I turned out pretty all right. I came here today so I could look you in the eye, say that to you, and then get back in my fancy-ass car and finally prove to myself and to you and to my family who loves me that I didn't need a thing from you, even after I knew who you were. You want to come in? Okay. Why is it popular? And we probably covered a lot of that already in discussing the premise of it. So what, what would you say? I think it's popular because it's entertaining, because it's appealing. I mean, these are facile answers, I know. <laughs> It's, it's it's popular because people like it. It pushes those buttons, those emotional buttons. It's the perfect cool down thing before you go to bed kind of thing. It doesn't ask you too much, but it is still engaging enough that you want to watch it. The people are pretty. The relationships are charming. It goes down easy. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It yeah. imparts at least seemingly profound and powerful and emotionally satisfying lessons. It's a gummy vitamin. It's jamba juice in that it tastes delicious and it fools you into thinking it's good for you. But maybe it isn't. I maintain that when marketing people give something a chance in pop culture, the cream rises to the top. If the people who hold the marketing reins give people a chance to discover it, if the show goes on four, five, six, seven seasons, I doubt it will still have that much staying power because I think it's a little too formulaic to still be entertaining in a few years. I'll disagree with you on popular things being good or good things being popular because that's not the case, clearly. I know you will. I but, you however, will. I will absolutely agree with you on the fact that this is a fine whittled piece of wood. It's a ship in a bottle. There's a lot of attention put to detail in terms of, well, most casting things. I'm sure they did the best they could with their budget and with what NBC is willing to pay. And the sort of oppressive deals that they must ask the actors to sign up for, knowing that they need nine years of runway, just in case they're going to go season after season after season. People really liked... Friday Night Lights, people really liked Parenthood, and I think those are the two precursors for this type of NBC show. The hour-long drama based on heart, based on family, based on old, good old-fashioned values of togetherness and community. Honestly, what's not to like about those things? The question is... is With like, the modern the spin of, oh, look, we're bringing the races together. Oh, look, we're affirming, you know, obese people. I'm seven episodes in. I haven't seen a gay character yet, but I'm sure there's a wonderful gay romance somewhere right around the corner. And that's good. Look, Look, I'm, I'm all for normalizing this stuff, obviously, but there's a little back padding going on, I think. It even manages to introduce stomach cancer, you know, in Ron Cephas Jones's yes. character, the dad. And yes. you feel like it's not the most crushing, overwhelming thing in the world. It's almost like it's still giving you this opportunity for heartfelt moments in, I mean, if anything, it even increases the stakes or it raises and elevates them to add life and death to it. So not only do you have the bon homie of a family, you get the idea that 
the old generation isn't going to last forever and you should squeeze all the juice out of the lemon while you have them in front of you. Yet another heartstring being tugged. The craftsmanship, I think, isn't necessarily what people respond to. The fact that they have clocked this engine, they've overclocked it. Every single episode, the uh, the temperature gauge is in the red where it is overheated. It is doing everything to the nth degree. It's being the most of feelings. It's being the most of happy. It's being the most of sad. And it it zips between these poles deftly. It doesn't overstay its welcome in one extreme or another. It's an overfilled bag of pathos with explicit sentimentalism. It hacks your brain. It gets past your critical faculty. It's almost like ASMR. You're being lulled into stimulated in a very almost physically pleasing way. The confluence of all these things, the twists and turns, the, the zigs and zags have this effect on the viewer. You feel like you're hanging out with friends. You feel like even me, grim, cynical Bill, I can't argue against this popularity. Does anybody not like snow cones? It's a TV show. It's not trying to cure cancer. It's a TV show. No, it's okay. No, no. Nobody be alarmed. Nobody be alarmed. This isn't a real baby. This baby can't feel a thing because everything's fake. God forbid we have real emotion in this show. Where the hell are you going, Alan Thick? And what the hell are you going to wear when you get there? You know what it is? I'm starting to think about things now. It's actually, Casey, it's not your fault, brother. It's not the writer's fault this show is so bad. And it's so bad. It's you guys. Why are you watching this stuff? Would you like this more, Bill, if you were a dumb, stupid teenager or (laughs) 20-something? Would this satisfy you a little more? Would you be a little less cynical about it? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I watched a lot of TV as a kid, and I have no trouble going down the list of things I watched fervently. I watched Mr. Belvedere. I watched Benson. I watched Soap. I watched Alf. I watched Wings. I watched Golden Girls. I watched Golden Palace. I watched Empty Nest. I watched Dear John. Dear John. I I went down the list of all... All the shows I watched, and Coach, Coach was a big favorite of mine. In terms of an hour-long comedic drama, this would have been right in the wheelhouse. If if this was led in by Empty Nest and. I don't know, whatever else was contemporaneous with it. I would have kept the dial on this for sure. I think that it's made for that age group. You know, the the language and the themes are written for people who are probably 15 to 25. Um, Not that it doesn't appeal upwards. Mm. Not that there there aren't characters that age, though. I would think that more if the bulk of the flashbacks were on the triplets' teams. I just think it's more for 20-somethings. It's for teenagers or older teenagers looking up aspirationally as to what the big, complex weave of adult life looks like. I'm speaking personally here is that most of the shows and the movies I watched as a kid, I did not watch movies about teenagers that were my age. I wasn't interested in kid shit, just as I'm not interested in it today. I wanted to know what, what was coming next. I wanted lessons for tomorrow. So the thing is, I watched Hughes movies when I was much younger than the subjects. I I watched Hughes movies when I was eight or nine years old. That's what was telling me this is what 16 is going to be like. It was aspirational. Yes. And I, But I think that the quality of the language and the way in which the themes, the storytelling is not built like a French movie. It's not built like a dar. It doesn't challenge you. It's not recontextualizing no. things. It's giving it to you very prima facie. I still think it's more 20-something thing. Would I like it if I were in my 20s or even my teens? I would like it more. The profundities of it would seem more profound to me. You know, you get cynical as you get older. You see through maudlin stuff. I view it as a little more honest, a little more uh, pioneering in terms of fostering racial harmony or daring in terms of having a sexual character who's 
clearly overweight. Look, one of the things that pisses me off in TV is like, oh God, she's so ugly. She's so fat. And it's a woman who's like 10 pounds overweight. <laughs> bridesmaids. I like bridesmaids, but it drove me nuts how there was this running plot that Kristen Wiig is so ugly and no one wants to date her. And I'm like, sorry, I think Kristen Wiig is super attractive, yeah. but Chrissy Metz, while she's very well put together and is not an ugly woman, there's no two ways about it. She's a big woman. It's She's not Hollywood big. She's big. Yeah, big. True. They don't hide that. And I, I think that's, it's nice. We need a little more of that on TV. We need a little more real people on TV. Hi. These people hate me. <laughs> You've gone across the line. Yeah. You left. <laughs> That's because I live across the oh. line. <laughs> okay. Toby. Kate. Hmm. Nice to meet you. So, you want to be fat friends? <laughs> sure. But I'm going to lose the weight. You know, I'm probably not. I can't fall for a fat person right now. I guess I'll lose the weight then. Is this is us? Is is that a sign of the apocalypse? The fact that it's upon us? Noah Tarno, go! I'm torn. I want to say yes, actually. I want to say no because it's just a TV show and it's well made and why not? It's TV. Who gives, a, who gives a shit? But on balance, it's teaching good lessons. It's teaching that fat people have every right to get laid and that black people are smarter than white people in many cases and blah, blah. All the lessons that sadly... Too many Americans still need to learn. So I want to say no, it's actually a good thing. But then I want to say yes, because if this is what passes for profundity and emotional realism, I think we are in trouble. I, I want to take this moment to quote a review on Slate.com by Willa Paskin. She just shat all over the show when it came out. So this is from the fall, and I want to read the, the closing paragraph here. She basically agrees with us that the show is well made, but she just thinks it's, it's maudlinness is just beyond the pale. There is nothing wrong with comforting television. Providing comfort is probably TV's most consistent accomplishment. Life is painful. TV doesn't have always have to be. But what is grandiose and hypocritical about This Is Us is that it pretends real not comfort is its goal insulting escapist sitcoms while it treats anger sadness grief and disappointment as brief stopovers to more constructive feelings aha uh -huh. for all its structural sophistication it is as trite and cliched as any sitcom just more self-satisfied junk for people who think they are above junk a slanket sneering at crocs for all i find the show entertaining and quote-unquote teaching the right lessons it does take itself too seriously. It is sanctimonious, more than heartfelt, sanctimonious. And it is claiming this moral pedestal that, that is far from earned. In the era of Pig TV, all your good shit is squirreled away under paywall rabbit holes. And so if you want to go to Hulu for Handmaid's Tale, it's out there. If you want to go to Netflix for Aziz Ansari or Defenders or something like that, that's out there too. HBO still has Game of Thrones, which is crapulent, but it's fantastic. That's still out there. <laughs> what you're left with on network drama is whatever you can put on that'll cater to an 18 to 49 demo. And that clears the time slot as good as anything can in 2017. With that very diffuse landscape sketched out, I feel like this is as good as you're going to get right now on network TV. Because this can't compete Maybe. with Better Call Saul. But this can compete with Mother on CBS. Is that the one with... Uh, I think it's called Mom. Right, Mom, exactly. But it's like if you're punching against Shondaland over on ABC, if you're punching <laughs> against any other show that's in the similar time slot, this is as good as you're going to get for TV right now. So it's not for me. It's not anything I would watch today. It's outside of my wheelhouse. But I will bring up something. And this is my own wonkiness as a TV and movie viewer. Any project that, like, this one that has a long 
Godzilla tail that swings behind it is going to carry along a lot of matter with it. And so just in the first two episodes, right. you know, you do have your lead actors, but then you do have a guy like Ron Cephas Jones, who is a character actor who's been around for a while. He plays Sterling K. Brown's biological dad, and he was right. so good in Luke Cage. He was great Luke Cage. Yeah, I exactly. love Luke and Cage. He, Luke Cage is so He fun. just comes on and he zaps you with this character actor, Ray, and there's something so cool and competent and professional and lived in about him. He does everything good. Who else did I love to see in the in the first part? Not Brad Garrett, because he was terrible, but Katie Seagal shows up. Another TV... Yeah, Katie Seagal shows another up. Another TV yeah, salt, yeah, totally. and it's like Katie Seagal has yeah. tons and tons of credibility from years and years of working in the business. Katie Seagal has only gotten better the older she's gotten. She shows up as this ball-breaker agent of the kids, the, the actor guy, and she drills the scene down. It's like, I what a welcome sight. Uh, and even Chris yeah. Sullivan, who's a character actor I hadn't noticed until now, it's like, great, another good play. You cast these character actors and outside-of-the-box jobs, and I like seeing that. So I see the potential to make this apocalypse proof is if it gives good jobs <laughs> to people who have deep IMDb resumes, people who are character actors that I would pay attention to. Makes me respect the project a little more, the casting director, if you're digging down deep and getting the right middle grade actor rather than a, hands, a handsome Zac Efron type. You don't need to dig deep into that. I mean, I think we've covered the fact that the main cast, I think, is... I know you hate Milo Ventimiglia, mm-hmm. whatever, I'm going to leave that, but I think it's pretty high caliber. I think Sterling K. Brown is a terrific actor. I mean, Gerald McRaney in the first episode. Yeah, but you got to love another, Gerald McRaney. That's it, exactly. That's my point, is that a guy like Gerald McRaney, who you bring Gerald McRaney on, you Yeah, win, I guess he's not a regular. Your people, your small parts with red meat actors, uh, you win me over because it means that you did your due diligence in terms of casting. And you don't bring Gerald McRaney on because you can get somebody else. You bring Gerald McRaney on because you want what Gerald McCraney is going to give you. And you you cast yeah. Ron Cephas Jones. I think it only gives it more credibility in my mind that it's doing right by talented players. Rebecca's vitals are good. She's going to be asleep for a little while, but she's doing fine. We're monitoring her closely. Okay. We lost the third baby, Jack. I'm, I'm very sorry. The uh, second baby is a girl, very strong. The third baby was a little boy, but the uh, umbilical cord was cutting off his oxygen. He was stillborn. Nothing anybody could have done. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not processing anything. Uh, how much of our complaints about those problems is the result of jealousy? I have to admit, as much as I don't like popular things and I hate shit that's cool, this thing is definitely not cool, but it is popular. And yes. when something catches on fire outside of my purview and I see the smoke and I wonder, well, what the hell did everybody get into beforehand? I knew goddamn well that this wasn't going to be for me. But the idea that somebody could watch this show and just fall into it, I envy that. They're able to turn whatever critical faculty in their brain I can't turn off, <laughs> and I can't let it go. So you're je- you're jealous of fans of the show and not the show itself. Yeah, yeah, the show. I think in this case, yeah, I'm not going to because tr- they're more zen than I'm you. not going to treat okay. a show right. like a, uh, a, a, a. It's it's not a corporation, my friend. Corporations are people. Yes. Shows aren't. Yes. Okay. I don't really feel jealous of it. It's all right. Doesn't infringe upon anything I've been trying to do. It's not showing up anything I attempted. I mean, what have I criticized about it? The mawkishness, the maudlinness, the sanctimony. No, I think I honestly believe that that shit is true. I don't know. I'm kind of contradicting myself. I'm about to say such a harmless level, but then I just said it's a sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You can have both. I mean, you can look, exist so in both states Maybe there's that the jealousy time. there that I say it's a sign of the apocalypse because I just like, well, people like phony stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But maybe they like just as much phony stuff when I 
was when I was the coolest kid in town. I'm not gonna stay up nights pounding my pillow because This Is Us is uh, getting more uh, Twitter commentary than the big quiz thing. Well, I believe that was us. And that uh, was us. This this is us for only a few more seconds. Me and Noah Tarno moved through the feelings of anger, yep. jealousy, discontentment, and what we did, we got to yes, the, we, we did. got a hugging oh. moment at the end where we managed to look through each other's yes. watery, roomy eyes, and we saw to what really yes. matters as. Uh, non-biological brothers. So you can find past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com and visit I Don't Get It Podcast.com. You can find me at William Scurry on the Twitters. And on YouTube, I'm AM Caesar. I am all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. The world's greatest live trivia events for corporate events, fundraisers, private parties. Uh, and I am headed to New York this summer. This this summer, we are celebrating the 15th anniversary of the Big Quiz thing in its place of birth, New York City. And I'm continuing my 2017 karaoke marathon to support the ACLU. Go to noatarno.com. As of today, I am up to 190 songs, which means I'm ahead of the curve to reach my goal of 400 by the end of the year. How about Guys, that? that's insane. Give this, man, give this man a round yeah. of applause to everybody, will you? Come karaoke with me if you are in... San Francisco. Until next we assemble. I don't yes. get this is us. No, I get okay. this is us. But I don't, I don't get it. Goodbye. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.